Hello leaders and welcome to 48 Minutes Unplugged. In this podcast, we interview leaders who we think are inspiring. We find hidden gems and rapid fire questions at them to discover what makes them stand out. Because we believe the world today more than ever needs inspiring leaders. Leaders who are good at what they do, but stand out in the way they do it. Are able to keep focus in a rapidly changing world and have an impact that reaches further. Truly unplug, out of busy and tune into here and now, we invite our guests to do a breathing exercise with us. We intentionally do not disclose any questions in advance because we want to get intuitive and heartfelt answers. We want you to get to know the person behind the title. These questions have no logical order and that at times might feel a bit uneasy. After 48 minutes exactly, you will hear a tone which means the interview comes to an end no matter how exciting the content is at that moment. All of our episodes can be accessed via Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And do check out our website, www.48hoursunplugged.com to stay up to date of our upcoming slowdown retreats and other activities. Welcome to the next episode of 48 Minutes Unplugged. We have decided at Unplugged that during COVID-19, we will focus our interviews to a certain extent on this topic because in times of crisis, leaders should stick even more together and help each other by sharing experiences and best practices. Today, I have a very special guest with us, Roland Slot, the founder of Aberkin, a leadership development and coaching company, which he founded with and recently sold to McKinsey. Roland started his career at Shell with the goal of being successful and making a lot of money and then got to the insight that he was not on his path. He started a spiritual path of self-development in 2001 and participated in a nine-day personal development trek through the African bush, which changed his life. There, between the rhinos, hyenas, lions, elephants, buffaloes and other wildlife, with just a bit of food, no water, and only a little mat and sleeping bag, his eyes opened to the realization of oneness with nature and every living being on this planet. It was after this experience that he decided to found Aberkin. Now, after having sold his shares, it's time for a new and huge mission. He wants to introduce servant ownership into our society and disrupt our economic model. In these times of COVID-19, people around the world are awakening to the sense of oneness and the fact that time and freedom is not to be taken for granted. I'm therefore looking forward to discuss with Roland, who seems to be Mr. Purpose after reading up a bit on him, whether COVID-19 might bring a shift in business how we know it. So, hi Roland. Hi Jennifer. Hi. Hey. Thanks for making time for this. Thank you. Yeah, we're so happy to have you on here. Um, I would like to thank you very much for sending me an introduction to uh, your new project, Servant Leadership. I'm immensely impressed and also convinced that this really is the way we need to evolve. Can you tell us shortly what servant ownership exactly means? Yeah, servant ownership is uh, is a movement intended to help owners and shareholders shift their intention from um, self-interest to be, being of service. And mm -hmm. uh, so it's a movement. And then we also like to make it very practical. So to also to, uh, as part of the movement, things will emerge from that movement, like hopefully at some point a, a fund or an investment company and an advisory company to help uh, 
founders, owners uh, make the shift and shareholders make this shift in terms of their role. Okay. And uh, how did you uh, come to define these concepts? Did it kind of come to you suddenly or is it something that grew over time? Well, it grew over time. So uh, Eberkin was really like uh, the company that I was involved in for a long time. And uh, I was very much surprised that I felt that there, an, another mission was coming. Because in Eberkin, we were working with the leaders of companies to help them raise their consciousness in large organizations. And uh, increasingly, I felt there was something next for me to do. And also because those leaders, they work in a in a certain context. So we worked a lot with leaders and, and they become more conscious. They became more conscious. They were also making different choices. But then their shareholders were still demanding the same results, same outcomes. So short-term profit, short-term orientation, short-term uh, return. And that mm -hmm. makes it very hard for these people who are good people um, to, to lead companies in a different way. So that was part of it. And, and the other part was just uh, following my heart, my intuition that I needed to step out of this beautiful setting of being a McKinsey partner and, and being a co-founder of Eberkin and to really let go of that in order to have space and time to reflect on our system, on the context, our capitalist system, and to, uh, to find a way to contribute to help the system evolve. And that's what servant ownership is about. Maybe uh, going back for a minute to Aberkin uh, and your mission there to, to make leaders more conscious. Can you explain why you felt you, you had to do that? Yeah, well, so uh, in, in 2004, I stepped out of um, a, a, the role of CEO of uh, a software company that, that, that I had founded, founded together with two friends. And uh, because I really felt uh, drawn to uh, to to do to to uh, pursue a very different uh, journey, which is coaching people and teams and organizations, and that meant that I embarked on a actually since two thousand one on a on a deeply spiritual journey, finding out what life is about. Uh, this is a never-ending journey, by the way. Um, so so and and from that awareness, so and I had the privilege to meet. Uh, a great number of people with with incredible wisdom, and I, I realized that that life is much more than just work, making money, or getting things done, achieving things. So, from that angle, I started doing this work, coaching uh, people, leaders, and teams and organizations. And then, um, and then the big realization came that you know everything changes had changed for myself when I raised my consciousness, because then I. I look differently at the world and I start to make different choices. And that's also what became the mission of Eberkin, which was fully endorsed by McKinsey. Uh, when mm -hmm. we started Eberkin together with McKinsey to, to raise consciousness for leaders so that they would become a force for good uh, in the world. And do you, um, do you feel like you have um, succeeded in your mission to raise more consciousness? Yeah. At Uh, yes and no. Uh, so yes, in the sense that we reached thousands of people, ten thousands of people around the globe in our program programs, probably hundred thousands. Um, and there was a huge ripple effect of that. So people were uh, exposed to this work and were invited to reflect and and get out of the fast lane. 
uh, to pause a little bit like the whole world is now being forced to pause but mm-hmm. in our work it was like on invitation to 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 pause and to become still and to realize what's important to me and f- as a leader and so in that sense yeah we've heard incre- we've seen incredible stories of people uh, transforming shifting and making different choices both in their professional uh, life but also in their in their private family life so I think that's yes, uh, impact, and and in that sense, that was a that was a huge contribution. But but like I said before, the context didn't change too much. So there's a huge undercurrent where a lot of people are realizing, you know, the way that our current capitalist system is working is is not in service anymore of of our planet and of our communities of of the people at large and. And that's for that something else is needed than just uh, helping people to become more conscious. We also need to change the structures and the role of owners and shareholders to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And is it uh, is there a choice between leading purposefully or leading towards maximal profits? Well, definitely, it's it's a clear choice. So so people make that choice individually. Uh, but what I what I notice is that in, in diving into this is that you know there's gravity. There's like the gravity means the system that we've created is like gravity. It it always it always will 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 move us to the point where we seek uh, the highest profit and the and the highest return in the shortest time. That's just the way we're wired. So I give you an example that. Um, most listed companies operate on a quarterly basis and they are also uh, evaluated on a quarterly basis, then a a bigger part of the economy is actually owned by private equity. And private equity runs at a a bit bit longer scale, uh, five years, seven years, and then they sell the company they acquired. But also then it's it's always like I, I acquire something and I get return from that and I sell it. But if we as humanity want to be around here forever, then we need to <laughs> redefine the horizon at which you operate, which means in business. We, we need to also embrace this concept of, of indefinite horizon, as we call it evergreen. So it's it's super important that owners and shareholders start to, to play their role from an evergreen angle. And for that, we are uh, developing solutions that actually companies can be owned can be actually keep going forever, but not uh, are not sold, and that we find a way to create liquidity for investors if they want to sell their shares, but the company should not be sold, and that that's what's happening nowadays. So, and that because because only then these companies can reflect what we need with society. We need like evergreen uh, horizon for business. Mm-hmm. And how do you convince? Um, shareholders that that is the way to go well um, that's a journey so um, there are increasing number of shareholders who um, are are committed to change their role so we are advising uh, we are advising uh, owners of uh, large companies to shift their role and including even discussing that they will limit their upside, which means their own return, and that the rest is actually put back in, in uh, into the purpose of the company, and which is quite radical this idea. Uh, 
It's also needed because one of the uh, side effects from capitalism is that, which we all have can read in the research, is that it has uh, greatly increased inequality in developed countries, um, let alone in, in developing countries. So, And this leads to uh, fragmentation in society. So if we want to become more whole society, we need to do something with our the value we create that is not just for the owners or shareholders, but it's for a broader group. And, um, and, and, we, and, and so we need to find new ways to do that, not just uh, on income, but also on wealth creation. And, um, uh, and, and so currently I'm working on, 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 a, on a company that, that is going to become self-owned, which is part of what we call servant ownership. We have a collaboration with Purpose, um, uh, which is a company from Germany and, and I'm actually working on a deal in the healthcare sector in the Netherlands and, and we are helping those, the owners to become self-owned. So the companies in the end self-owned and then it's only purpose. So the people working there is, they're just working for the purpose of the company and for the benefits of society, the company self-owned can go on forever, basically. Now that's a quite extreme uh, version. Uh, milder versions are that owners actually limit their own upsides or, or uh, focus on profit and on return and actually focus much more on, so what is this, what can I as, as a shareholder and owner do for the company and society instead of what do I get? And, and they're all kind of um, shades of gray in between. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, at the moment with uh, COVID-19, we're in a, a quite a special time um, where on the one hand, there's, I feel there's an increased awareness about um, the planet and yeah. uh, sustainability. And then on the other hand, there's also a lot of anxiety and um, yeah, stress, panic, uh, economic uh, problems, which are growing day by day. Mm, it kind of could go in two directions. Do you, what do you think? Yeah, um, I I don't know because uh, I don't know. I have ideas about it, and so I'm 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 optimistic that that uh, this time um, we could uh, take this learning uh, and to make a difference. So uh, in 2008 there was a huge financial crisis and an economic recession and that was really hitting very hard the banks and uh, companies around the world. It didn't enter so much people's personal lives unless you were jobless or uh, had difficulties in surviving that time economically. But it, it now, regardless of you know your wealth or your income or your you know what you're doing, your kind of work, you're, you are affected. Uh, and you are put to to halt. So, uh, as we didn't listen last time, uh, my sense is uh, that you know we we just have a bigger signal now, <laughs> a bigger wake up call. And if we don't hear this one, we will need an even bigger one. So then then I'm, then I would be really worried for the world. <laughs> so I really so I expect and I hope that we that we learn from this um, incredible uh, situation. And we're learning, of course, a few things. We learned that. Actually, government is is super important uh, in our time to make changes, and that mm-hmm. governments can make incredible decisions and fast and also good mm-hmm. decisions uh, overall in many places, not everywhere, but in many places. 
And uh, and so, you know, for 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 many uh, decades, uh, the whole notion has been of the uh, neoliberal movement. Well, we need less state, we need less government, we need less uh, taxes. Well, look at those people are now, you know, with their their head in their hands, they're coming to the government and to beg them for money to keep their companies afloat. So it's very clear that we cannot do without government. We cannot do without healthcare workers or with our teachers and all the people who are taking care of important parts of society and that we should honor them, those rules, those very important rules. So so there's there's every everything we have is to to make a change and that that we could from here on really start to change society so that we can mitigate the climate risk, but also social risk, like uh, the whole polarization in society. So it's a huge opportunity, no guarantee at all, because, you know, when things go back to normal, we can also forget this and then we can back to, come back to uh, our old capitalist or our current capitalist uh, system and our consumer patterns. It's a choice. We have a choice as humanity. And uh, I do feel many people at the individual level are uh, taking this as an opportunity to grow and to reflect. So I do feel, I do expect change. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a spiritual person, do you think there's a bigger force at work behind this crisis? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so uh, it's it's interesting. There, there. From my experience, and this is your individual, is that, and I respect other people who have other uh, ideas. But I've just, you know, I'm, I'm not a human being having a spiritual experience. I live my life as a spiritual being having a human experience, which is like mm-hmm. a very different version. Mm-hmm. But I, and that's an individual choice. So for me, like, you know. I could hardly think of a more clever way to stop the world as a, as in totality. Yeah, I mean, could, I could not have imagined something more brilliant. Now, it's it's also very painful for many people, and I mean, many people dying. So I feel a lot of compassion for the people in stress and pain, and I feel very privileged not to have stress and and not to, to worry about tomorrow that I have to to that I need to find food. So I feel compassion for all the people who are impacted by this. Um, this virus. Uh, at the same time, I do feel it's it's something that collectively, it's a it's, it's it's a gift we're getting to wake up and to and to come out of this incredibly machine that we have this system we have created based on the assumptions of competition, uh, scarcity, and that we need to control nature. So we need to let go of the old stories that we've told ourselves on which we've built society on which we've built uh, capitalism. And this is the invitation. And it's really like, I I look at it on one hand with a a smile. I say, how incredible, incredible, ingenious this, 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 uh, this, this crisis is. Mm. Could you maybe explain for those who are um, not very familiar with spiritual concepts, what you mean when you say you're spiritual being, having a human experience? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, um, so if I'm a human being, then I am a individual, uh, separate part, separated part, and I easily risk into feeling that I am uh, separate from everything else, and that I need to be safe and secure. So I need to take care of myself and uh, 
and life is about uh, living a good life, but finding security and money and 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 uh, status, power over others, and and control over nature. If I'm a spiritual being, I I feel I which I feel is that I feel I'm part of 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 everything. So I I am connected to everything, and and so that makes me humble. Um, and also makes me connected and also makes me realize, you know, I am no better than other people. Um, and I'm part of something that is much bigger than I can even understand. So, and, 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 and what, what it means for me practically is that I, I, I listen carefully to this, to the signals that I, that I receive from this higher intelligence. And that's actually making me give, gives me, give me direction, gives me direction in my life. Uh, that's that's one of the big shifts that I have, and I'm I am also in a very open and trust, trusting mode. So, mm-hmm. knowing that I am part of something much much bigger than we can even imagine. Mm-hmm. Trust in life. Yeah, surrender. It's mm-hmm. surrender. So uh, yeah, every morning and- I start with the intention of to keep my heart open and to let go of uh, my fears and my preferences and to. Be one with life. Wow. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's my intention, and I, I often feel miserably <laughs> that I get into some argument with my wife or my kids, and, uh, and then I forget, and uh, and the stock market crashes, and then I'm worried about money, um, and then the ne- but then always I I find myself back. Oh yeah, oh okay. Remember, I I <laughs> I'm connected to this hole, and then I can actually feel it. And I can, it, it, I also ground into, yeah, into, into, uh, into planet Earth. It's wonderful to be grounded and feel connected to this beautiful Earth. It's not a thing we can take things from. I, you know, I, 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 I am so grateful every morning that I am living on this planet, which gives me everything. You know, I have my house, my, my, my people, my, this body, people to, to live with. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and also my, my uh, developmental journey as a soul. And so I, I believe that uh, every human being has a soul and, and is here to just learn and grow. Part of a former contract, probably. And, uh, you know, the, the earth is giving us a context to, to experience this, this journey of development. So uh, let's be grateful to our planet and to Mother Earth and honor her. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of questions at the moment. <laughs> First of all, maybe coming to this these insights, it takes time and yeah. it takes uh, the opportunity to, like you say, stand still, uh, yeah. which you. Um, and maybe we'll we'll come back in a minute on on how you got to that realization, which stand still you did. But what I'm wondering is when we're talking about servant leadership, servant ownership, uh, servant on- yeah. ownership. Yeah. Sorry. Um, is it not a, a prerequisite um, to have gone through this evolution and to uh, see yourself as being part of the whole to believe in the concept of servant ownership? And so for you to convince uh, CEOs and shareholders, is, is it possible to do that when they are not in that? Mm-hmm. It's a great question. It's a great question. So, um I don't know the answer. We, we we're gonna find out uh, together. Uh, but but I can say this: yes, everyone is 
is on a journey and learning about life. Now, it's, it's so for us, uh, from a servant ownership angle, all the companies that we will be working with, we will inspire, intend to inspire and invite people to go on a journey and learn about themselves and about life because, you know, the, the, the number one prerequisite for a leader to lead a company or the, 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 the limitation is, in fact, the level of consciousness of, of the leader. So the more she would develop herself, the more this company can evolve and the people in that company. Now, uh, but I don't, I don't think that, that we should be on the same level. It's also not, uh, not, 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 uh, it doesn't really matter. I think there's also logic to it that capitalism is, is coming to an end as it, as we know it now, because it's simply unsustainable. So you can read the data from hard research that on the climate change, you can hard read all the data about inequality. You can read data about social, uh, uh, about social unrest, about people feeling unhappy in their lives in many Western countries because they're just in survival mode, uh, especially in the US. So it's, it's just, also, from a rational perspective, uh, it's perfectly logical that that we are make, making the next step. Uh, the only thing is that what people often don't realize is that in order to create the next system, that's not always a logical step because we need to listen carefully and emerge this new system. And we don't know exactly how it looks like because it's not there yet. So, And this has happened every time. So it's also happened when we created the current system, that was also not like a linear process. So, so that's, that's the only thing that for the change makers, people who are, are leading this change. You need to be open to what we can discover and learn. And it's not a straight process. Um, that's all I can say, but people can contribute. People can understand this needed. I mean, the broader population, everyone knows this has a sense that this is needed, but people find it hard to, uh, to, to, um, to hard to think of what they could contribute. And that's also part of servant ownership. We want to offer people opportunity uh, to contribute to the system change. And so building a community and having people to share articles or have uh, sessions together to discuss uh, our system and, and how they could influence the system on their, on where, where they're located. So that's, that's part of it. Mm -hmm. mm, I can uh, imagine you were a partner at uh, McKinsey, yeah. Um, where you probably had uh, colleagues who were uh, who had different levels of consciousness. Yes. And how do you uh, deal with um, with people who who are totally not open to that concept and and are doing business from a very individual point of view and short term focus point of view? It's one thing to be conscious yourself, yeah. But um, when you're working with or for um, people who are not, uh, how would you advise to go about that? Yeah. Uh, so first of all, in McKinsey, there are a lot of uh, most people are very bright and are really working hard to contribute to something that helps the world. Um, now, I've also worked with leaders that are uh, very focused on their own interests. And uh, what I've learned, what works best is actually, and they're also good people. Right? So there are 
basically arguably almost no, almost no bad people. It's just people work in a context and they fill roles that that I would also fill if I would be in their context. So the, what I learned in Eberkin and also which we will plan now in servant ownership is meet people where they are, invite them on a journey. So wherever they are, that's their reality, that's their life. And, uh, and, and, and let's meet them on a journey and, and invite them on a journey, but in connection. So uh, what's happened, what happens in, for instance, in the US, the polarization is a very bad thing because people don't uh, invite each other anymore in, on a journey. So we need to listen to each other and understand that there is a valid validity in their viewpoint and not make people wrong. So that's what I've learned. It's just to understand people where they are with respect. And then, hey, uh, in small steps, would you would you be willing to see a different perspective, right? And can I see your perspective? And then often people open up and they, they can do marvelous things. They can really, they can, <laughs> if people open up and trust, start trusting your intention not to make them wrong, or then, then, then they will open up. Mm. Could you give an example of a CEO who, for you, really nails it, who, who leads with consciousness, who has a positive impact on, yeah. on the employees on the longer term, and uh, is making is, is is making profit for the company in a sustainable way? Yes. I can think of several. Um, so, uh, and they all, they're all, all become friends. Um, so, uh, which one shall I take? Um, well, I give you a very short, the CEO of ASML uh, is, is a famous company, a Dutch company, but global company that is providing all the machines to build chips around the world. It's market leader. It's, it's, uh, it's it has one of the largest market caps in Netherlands, and the CEO Peter Wenning, who's a dear friend, he's a conscious leader. He's really focusing on to create the conditions to make his people thrive. He's humble. He's always humble. He's always open to learn. And that's an amazing attitude. Um, and a very inspiring CEO is a, from a company in, in the US called Barry Raymiller. Um, and that is a company in industrial equipment. It's a private company, 7,000 people. Uh, ASML is, it's 20,000 people or 25,000 people. Um, and this guy went on a, on a journey since 2000 when his eyes were opened and he realized, oh my God, I don't care really about my people. I'm just using them for my success. And then he really changed the company's culture completely, completely into really really caring his people caring about his people and he, he also wrote a beautiful book about it it's called everybody matters and he, the name of the ceo is bob chapman so i work with him he's become a friend and and he you know it's it, i've also been to to, to i visited his company and the story is real so i was i visited the 500 people uh manufacturing site in uh, in north america and the level of care and the level of love and the level of um, um, help to each other was was unbelievable, unbelievable. I mean, people at eight o'clock they did a they're starting a day. They started with appreciation and starting to read a inspirational poem. I mean, these were industrial operators, right? I mean, really, these rough guys, you know, working steel and plates. They were there, and they were really, really. Every year they they would they they would vote uh, which which colleague 
uh, represented best the values of the company, the principles of the company, yeah, living their leadership principles, and 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 they got a week off from from uh, then from uh, they got a, a present and a week off, and then and then they gave this week. One guy gave the week to a colleague because his wife had cancer. You know, it's there's so much care and so much love, and 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 they are making huge amounts of profits, yeah, and working in a in a very smart way but in a in a in a fairly decent pace not working stressed so it can be done i've seen it yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he is, he's a servant owner this guy is a servant owner and what about uh, in a publicly listed company yeah that's that's the example peter wenig he's okay. the ceo of asml that's it's uh, it's i think the most valuable company in the netherlands now even beyond shell no no not beyond shell but yeah, yeah almost i think it, it's it's uh, beyond philips the company where it originates from uh, he's the publicly listed uh, ceo and and you know he's 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 making uh, he's taking a stand for his people always and for his customers and a very conscious person and very humble person so that's beautiful and then on a smaller scale there's uh, uh, in a software company that I'm involved with and uh, AIMS, uh, AIM, A-Y-M-M-S. And there's a CEO, Gijs Dullard. He's also a very humble guy on this path, you know, helping his organization to become completely self-managed um, and uh, very purpose-driven. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's uh, people are not fired now because of the you know, the difficult time, but they share the pain. Yeah? So no, nobody's fired because they share the pain of... Uh, this this corona crisis so there are examples of people who are servant owners and leaders um yeah so so uh, yeah okay thank you very much for for those examples um a while ago you talked about um the fact that you see that people around you are using this crisis to do self-development um on the other hand, um, probably a lot of people are, are a bit bored. We'll get a bit bored in the coming weeks. Do you have a few tips? Like, uh, how, how would you recommend yeah. feeling wise <laughs> and productive way? If you're allowed, take long walks. Take long walks uh, by yourself in nature, if you're allowed. Um, mm-hmm. Because nature is the best coach, because nature doesn't do it. So by yourself. Um, and see what happens to you. See what emerges inside. Um, read books. Uh, you know, I, I I don't watch the news. Mm-hmm. I follow news through the data, but I don't watch the news because it gives stre- it convenes stress. And it's been long research that you know reading normal newspapers and watching news is just stressful for your body and your being. So I would say stay away from that. Mm-hmm. And read books that inspire you, that give you energy, that, that helps you reflect on your life. Like uh, The New Earth from Eckhart Tolle. It's a wonderful book. It's wonderful. It's all, it's, it's super relevant. Also on this mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that book as well. Be, and be of service to people. Be open. Be just of service. Call out to people and ask them, how are you doing? And people mm-hmm. love that. You can have wonderful conversations because some t- somehow people have more time. Uh, it, I mean, some people have more time. Lots of people have more time. So, uh, I, I have different uh, conversations with people uh, on different mm-hmm. topics, much more spacious and deep, and and and, and sharing and generative. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's great, it's great, great time for that. And <laughs> um, I said from a distance, of course. Yeah, from a distance. Yes. And <laughs> um, thank you very much. 
could you tell us a bit about your um how you came to awakening and um yeah your spiritual path yes well my spiritual path started in 2001 uh for a long time before i i was living in my head not even in my body mm. and uh and in 2001 i did a nine-day personal development course which opened my eyes forever and, and why did you do or what brought you to yeah well my my, my younger brother he uh he had done that course and he told me like, wow, this is really something for you. And, uh, and I felt like, hmm, you know, I had been an entrepreneur for 10 years and, uh, at Shell, when I started my career at Shell, I had seven weeks of training every year. And then 10 years being an entrepreneur, I had SIP training for myself. So I thought, well, maybe it's time after 10 years to allow myself in the week or nine days of this course. It was a leap of faith, but it, it really, it, it opened my eyes forever. And then from that moment on, every year I allowed myself a week of that work, or the week of that, uh, that training. And then 2004, I hit a wall because my body told me when I was CEO of Trillion and, and founder, uh, you know, that my life, that I was not on my path because I was, I was pursuing success and money. And that's not who I am. So I stopped. So my body told me to stop there. And then from that moment on, I really embraced, you know, I, I just accepted, okay, I'm this strange guy who is on the spiritual mm -hmm. path. And I started reading any book I could get my hand on. And I did hundreds of tens of courses in, 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 in this spiritual domain or in the leadership domain. And I, I'm learning every day. So I'm, I'm still reading a lot of books about this space and learning and talking to people who can be my teachers. But, you know, I found after all these years, I found out that life actually is the biggest teacher. So every day I uh, am open for life to teach me something about myself and about life and about others. Mm -hmm. And what, what did you think you would become when you were a kid? Um, that's a great question. Um, I guess when I was very young, I had all the standard things of being, a, I wanted to be a pilot, but quite soon I actually discovered that uh, I was living, I was brought up in society that was, it was not my family, but it was my, the broader society that in this society to fit in, I have to be successful and successful mm -hmm. was that I needed to make money or so. So I, from a young, quite a young age, I imagined myself being an entrepreneur. So that was mm -hmm. what I wanted to become. And I, I, I became, I did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But now uh, it's different because I don't care about the role I have. I mean, I don't care about a, a title of entrepreneur. I just, I just feel called to be in service of the whole. That's for me important. And, and, and to do it together with a group of people that also feel inspired to be of service in business. So I also, from a young age, very strange, from the age of 15, I was already attracted to business and business news. And I started to read the financial pa paper of the, the, the newspapers at the time. So that was strange for a kid of 15. And so I, I'm always very, I've been always still attracted by business and curious. And I feel business has such an important role to play to help to heal the planet and heal society because it's such an, it's just a factor of in, in, impact in the world. You know, we, that's where we spend most of our time and people who are working we spend 40 hours or 60 hours per week on our work. And so if we can make that a bit more inspiring and a bit more in service of the whole, wow, you know, look at what we can create together. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, just like there's a this this expectation to be successful and make a lot of money, there's also an expectation to be tough and suck it up. Yeah. Um, yes. But vulnerability can also have have great power. What is your view on on that? Um. So when I am vulnerable. I actually feel I am in my greatest power. And uh, when I am vulnerable, I have noticed that other people also open up and then I, then they share their greatest power. So for me, vulnerability is, is one of the, is one of the key doors to, um, to truth and to wisdom and to connection. And uh, it's not always easy, not always comfortable, <laughs> but I've learned that it's it's uh, it's the only way. Uh, true power lies behind the door of vulnerability. And what what does that uh, mean to be vulnerable? Well, I'll give you an example. Tomorrow we have our servant ownership meeting, so I'm meeting with uh, so I, so I've attracted a, a few people who are uh, really like few like companions on this journey mm-hmm. and so we have a day together online and uh, and we'll start with a check-in we start how do we feel and what do we feel and and then uh, we share our emotions about the present moment we share what could prevent us from fully being here it's an it's an African practice which we use and uh, and we share what's our intention so um, that's important to just share you know those emotions because when we do that, we become vulnerable and we be- become connected and truthful. And then we can have such uh, far more effective and greater dialogue after that. And mm-hmm. um, talking about vulnerability, do you have any regrets? Um, yes, I do. I, I have regrets. Yes, I do. You want to, you want to hear one? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I have regrets. Um, I have regrets. I, I spend a lot of time of my life uh, trying to look good to other people. Mm-hmm. And it costs me enormous amount of energy. Mm-hmm. And I really regret that. <laughs> I really <laughs> regret that. Um, yes, I regret it. So, yes. If you would be able to turn back time and erase that thing you regret, but also erase all of the things you learned by doing it, would you? Would you no. go back? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to erase it. And you know, for some time I've lost the fear of death, which is a part of the spiritual journey. And and I, I don't know how I will react when I hear tomorrow you will die, but but this is what I feel. I'm sharing what I feel. So, and and I I would be so happy and grateful. That's all. I'm so happy and grateful for what I've experienced already. So every year I have, and I hope many many years, another forty, fifty years, whatever, to be on this planet. Uh, I will enjoy. I intend to enjoy. But you know, it's it's been good, and I'm grateful, and it's uh, I'm learning. So uh, and and one one particular. Uh, an expert, a speaker and, and, and author helped me with that. His name is um, David Hawkins. Mm-hmm. 
for the spiritual people in this in this um, in your audience. Mm-hmm. You read a written beautiful book called Power versus Force. But he said one thing. He died a couple of years ago. He's a beautiful, beautiful guy. Um, he said one thing which you know helped me so much. He said, uh, you know, be be uh, d- don't be too tough on yourself on the past. Um, at the time, it seemed like a good idea. So, so I can yeah. have compassion with myself, but it's it's also I have compassion with other people. You know, at the time, it seemed like a good idea. So so I mean, we had slavery. Uh, you know, 200 years ago, at the time, it seemed like a good idea for some people, and that's how people will look into at, at in in 100 years, or maybe hopefully less, 50 years, at our current capitalist system. I mean, how could they ever, ever have worked like that? How could they ever play the role of owners like that and shareholders like that? How could they, you know, like, like we're looking at slavery from 200 years ago? But that's that's it seemed it seemed it seemed like a good idea at the time. Now. It's time for us to revisit, revisit the idea of capitalism and what drives us and why we do things and, and, and our role as owners and shareholders and take responsibility. So responsibility is how we respond to things. So let's mm-hmm. respond differently going forward in service. Mm-hmm. And what is your dream personally, your dream, ah. your mission? What do you want yeah, to do? It's yeah, it's a great uh, question actually. So, so um, it. I saw in a in a kind of a dream. I saw a, in ten years' time a headline that there was a hostile takeover from an activist shareholder of a of a very uh, well run, a decent listed company of thirty thousand people. I saw that in a dream, and uh, it was a hostile takeover of a very um, self interested activist shareholder which was still around in 10 years' time. And then what happened was that uh, two things happened. That the employees, 30,000, they walked out of their offices to protest against this new owner. And society said, enough is enough. We don't want this anymore, this to happen. And then uh, we had, a, by then we had a fund, yeah, a, a, a servant owner fund or vehicle, which was asked asked to take over the company and be a servant owner for that company. That's my dream. So we will start with small companies, but over time, hopefully, we can help big companies to become servant-owned. Mm-hmm. So that's what made you start the the movement, then? Yeah, the yeah, yeah. I mean, see, it, and I I would love to develop a new model for owners and for capital that it is in service of the whole, and that this model is copied all over the world. And uh, it doesn't need to have, have to be our model, but that we inspire people to do the same thing in other places in the world. We start in the Netherlands, and then hopefully, uh, also I think Scandinavia is a good place to to do this work because there's a lot of people resonant with our ideas, mm-hmm. and uh, and Europe, and then the rest of the world. So so that people just open source. This this will be developed open source. People can just uh, take whatever we develop and then run with it. You know. That's that's what I would envisage: a global movement in turn to to completely turn around the the role of owners from self-interest to servant, and that that and, and that over time, you know, it will happen. I'm sure, and and we just want it's it's already there. It's just oh yeah. Then finally, it's just that we are helping to uh, give it words and 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 give it energy and and faces. That's all we're doing. The, 
Yeah. So the, maybe the the biggest uh, spiritual difference, the, the biggest impact of my spiritual uh, perspective on life is that I'm not doing this. Uh, this is this is happening. I'm just uh, kind of in service of this energy, and that's what I do. And I listen to that energy. And okay, now I'm asked to help put service ownership uh, in, in in into being, and that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm tuning into. And so it's not me doing it. And that's why I have enormous trust and faith in that this uh, will evolve how it's supposed to be. And not in a dogmatic way. I mean, it, it's not like I'm not religious about it. I'm just open about it and, and in a way uh, also humble about it that it's not me doing it. It's not my idea. It's just, it's our idea of society, of the whole business community. And I feel that... I have a role to give that form together with many other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. Maybe let, let's end on a, a light note. Yeah. Um, what is your guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure? Well, you know, I, I'm trying to get rid of coffee for so long. Mm. And I love, I love, I just, And I now drink uh, cappuccino with oat milk, but it's just my, my my guilty pleasure is that I, in the morning, I take two of these wonderful cappuccinos with a nice biscuit. So I also don't like to eat sugar, but that's my guilty pleasure. I every morning I take a oat milk cappuccino with a nice sweet biscuit. That's my guilty pleasure. Yeah, I can so relate to that. I constantly want to stop drinking coffee, but at the end of the day, I just yeah. really like the taste. So yeah, uh, yeah. You have this <laughs> <laughs> and, and when do you feel truly alive well actually like when days, i feel very i mean uh, my wife was just telling to me you know last weekend you're so happy roland you're so happy in this strange corona crisis well i feel alive when i'm on purpose i feel alive when i take enough care of myself because i can also You know, in building Aberkeen, I was I was also on purpose, but I was not taking care of myself enough. So I was working crazy hours, and this yeah. is different. I I make a choice to to uh, be on purpose, but also to walk in nature. So every morning I woke up. In these days, my kids don't need to go to school, so I I wake up and at first I have a, a 15 minute walk in in the beautiful nature in the forest, and I'm I feel great. But mm -hmm. I, I just feel alive when I'm on purpose and when I take care of myself. Okay, thank you very much. Unfortunately, the the buzzer went off, so uh, the interview has come to an end. But um, thank you for being so open for uh, sharing with us um, your personal story and um, and and giving us all, I would say, a uh, a breath of positivity and fresh energy in these uh, in these times. Yeah, with pleasure, Jennifer. And good luck with your work. You're doing great work. And also with your topic on uh, vulnerability, as I understand it. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you all for listening and see you next time. But before you head off, if you haven't heard our previous episodes yet, then I strongly recommend you check them out. You can find them on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. And check out our website, www.48hoursunplugged.com to stay up to date of all our upcoming slowdown retreats and other activities in relation to inspiring leadership. Together, let's bring more inspiring leaders into this world. Have a lovely day.